right, welcome everyone to this week's edition of A Healthy Obsession, the podcast covering soccer culture from around the world. I'm your host, Adam Thelwell, and the show is, as always, brought to you by Small Goal Soccer. And this week, I had the pleasure of welcoming Common Goal CEO Jürgen Gries back to the show. Common Goal is a pledge-based charitable movement for the football industry that was launched with the support of Spanish footballer Juan Mata. The organization has a real star-studded lineup from players like Paulo Dybala, managers like Jürgen Klopp, who are all pledging and contributing a portion of their wages to go into the fund, and then the money is used for social impact projects around the world. We're going to be talking to Jürgen about his journey in football from his time spent in Colombia all the way up to what is currently happening with Common Goal. It's a very interesting story. We hope you check out what Common Goal is about. It is an exciting project that's doing some great work, and we hope you enjoy the show. All right, Jürgen, so tell us a little bit about your own backstory and um, what was the, the introduction to football for you when you were younger? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. Um, hmm. Yeah, I was playing actually football when I, when I, when I was a, a kid um, from early age, but only until the age of maybe 11 or 12. Hmm. Um, my father, at that time, that was like seven, early 70s, um, he played what at that time was professional football, like a second league in Germany or so, mm-hmm. um, which by then meant you, you play and you work at the same time, obviously, in order to make a living. And, but so it, it brought me close to football, like thanks to my father. And, um, but that when there was a conflict in the club where he played, I, I suddenly found myself on the bench and wasn't allowed to play anymore. And, and and yeah, as a, as an eleven year old, I just hang on to a friend of mine, and we went. And since then, I played table tennis. So that was my end of my football career when I was eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and never got back into it really, like beyond playing on the streets, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, like yeah, or if we talk about like how I how I got into what I'm doing today, that was like many years later when I was a PhD student in Colombia and, and, and was about to do my field studies. And, and the World Cup happened in 1994 where Colombia had, had, um, had qualified for and, and, and then lost the first game and the second game. And then this own goal happened. Um, Andres Escobar had scored and he came back 11 days later and was assassinated in Medellin. That was when I thought, okay, um, it, it, it hit me really hard in terms of like, how could that happen on the back of a professional mistake, like an own goal. Yeah. Right. And, and, um, and thanks to my wife, we were close to the club and close to, to, to the players, um, because she was working like voluntarily, um, inside the club and, and we knew what, what Andres and this assassination meant, meant for Colombia and, 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 and like the, the um the national ambition of overcoming um this period of violence and and like working towards a, a peaceful culture resolution etc um a peaceful conflict resolution i'm sorry mm. um, and 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 that was the day where i thought okay i i that's my academic career i leave it on the side and 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 i i, I focused on finding a solution wrapping my head around um how 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 a legacy could be built out of what had happened in some shape or form and 
wasn't thinking about football initially, but but listening to many people and and seeing a lot of football context um, throughout the city in terms of like football being played on streets, etc., and how it brought or allowed for situations to happen that without football wouldn't have happened in that like in that conflict um, conflict environment um, which we lived in Colombia at that time. Um, I, I I just came back to football and and started to think about a methodology how that could work in order to bring mortality like um, violent mortality down and social mobility up and that brought me to to start a, a project that was called Football for Peace in 1996 back in, in Medellin. It's very interesting. So how many years did you spend in Colombia? Seven overall. Like I, I arrived in December '93 um, to Colombia with the ambition to to do my PhD, and and um, and but then six months later, uh, this this career path like was was stopped by by the by by what had happened to to Andres and what had happened at the World Cup in '94, and then it took me two years to really understand the phenomenon of violence in Colombia and to really get a meaningful project on the feed, um, which was then 96, like two years later or so. And then um, working on that project, um, leading it to what it became in, during another four years before I, then together with my, my wife and, and our daughters, we, we went um, back to Germany and, and spent um, afterwards many years in Germany. But it was overall, it was seven years in Colombia. How how is the current status of uh, just uh, football in Colombia? How has it changed over the years since you lived there? Do you still keep a uh, pretty close eye or uh, follow what happens in the Colombian football world now? It's hard to tell, but I mean, back in the years in the nineties, football was very influenced by by the powerful forces in in the country, which was mainly drug cartels or similar. Um, and 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 that also like explained the performance of a very talented, very inspiring team at the World Cup in '94. Like in the in the in the qualifying um, in Conmebol, the last game Colombia had won five nil in in Buenos Aires against Argentina. That was just such a such a statement in, in football in terms, and it was played so beautifully that the really. Colombia, not like the football loving Colombia, but Colombia as a whole was dreaming of a performance that would show the beautiful face of Colombia to the world at that World Cup. But it was these um, ugly energies that that were like intertwined, um, in like we woven into the the fabrics of football at the time that didn't allow the right. Um, people to to play like the right players to play in in in, on, in the games. Um, there were like um, abductions happening to family members of of the players. There was like um, real like a bad energy pressure on around that team that didn't allow the team to perform. And then Andres became the, the like the personification of mm. of 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 that failure at the world cup um if if we may call it like that so it wasn't just like let's let's kill the author of an own goal but actually um that was how colombia was in the 90s um and and it just yeah found its place also as a as a response to that performance at the world cup 
And through your time working on uh, the different projects um, with Common Goal and the other stuff that you've done in football, how do you see globally the impacts that football can have? You, you mentioned there that it's interwoven into society, whether it's economically or um, you mentioned their violence within Colombia. So what are some of the other pl- like places in the world that you've seen where football um, has this uh, very direct impact on um, the social settings and economics and development in different countries? How is it tied together? Yeah, maybe just to to stay in in Colombia for just a, a, another little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, if 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 you just look at at the situation I was just describing, it was where there there were five thousand dead young people every year in the nineties, just in the city of Medellin. So it was quite quite a a, a, um, a, a tense environment and. And when we were starting to work with, with Football for Peace, which, which was a, a methodology developed very much to work on the psyches of mainly the, 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 the male young people who were either exposed or, or, or active actors in, in that um, armed conflict in the city. Mm. Um, and, and it was through that methodology that we were able to actually bring mortality down to create spaces for peaceful conflict resolution for communication like that wouldn't happen if there wasn't such a safe space if you want to call it like that so football allowed to create that safe space for dialogue to happen that wouldn't have happened otherwise um and 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 there was many more facets to that but but that um that I think is just one of those examples. And, and based on that, I think, or as part of that, um, Colombia and especially Medellin over the past 20 years has embarked on a journey that, that gave impetus to, to many different initiatives that inspired by, by among others, by, by such a football experience would then allow for a, for a city to reinvent itself and, and become actually an example of modern um, modern urban spaces where, where public space plays a, a significant role in, in urban life and where um, like it, it becomes a tourist attraction at the end of the day. So I think um, that's just one of, one of those examples. Now, um, I think we can derive from that the, the principle how fo- football works in communities. It, it does, it is not a solution to anything, but it is a a major contribution in order to accelerate or increase impact you try to achieve in whatever um, sector of society, if it's education, health, peace building, um, employability, homelessness, whatever you, you want to choose as, as the issue you want to tackle, what football does, it attracts a crowd you want to work with and it keeps the crowd long enough and motivated enough to embark on, on behavior change um, towards like a behavior you, you, you want to strengthen, strengthen and you want to foster. Um, and, and that's the way how football in our terms worked like in communities and that's across the world. What changes are the issues you want to tackle but football plays um, nearly everywhere the same role. And if you take it a level higher, it's just, I mean, football and why not arts or why not basketball or why not any other thing, any other phenomenon? It's just because football is the most widespread. Mm. Uh, it's like understood everywhere. So you can, you can, it's a good place to start. That doesn't mean that it doesn't work with basketball. It doesn't work with art or with another sports. It does actually. 
Um, but if you if you want to go for scale, if you want to go global um, with 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 a solution, I think football is a good place to start. Yeah, um, so that's on the sorry. I was just going to say it's definitely common language, uh, global language. Uh, Exactly, and that's on on the community level now. Um, if you look at at the inspirations and um, football offers to um, to people, like in terms of not just like the performance on the pitch, which is more on the entertainment side of things, but actually to to think about own behavior or to inspire a certain behavior. I think there's a lot that can be said, like being it um, Didier Drogba at the time. Um, in Ivory Coast, or if you look now at George Ware um, in Liberia, or if you look at just recently Marcus Rashford um, and, mm. and his initiative, or there's so many things um, where or, or just recently um, Paulo Dybala, who, who, who just recently joined Common Goal, when he said, like, for, for some reasons, um, people listen more to footballers than to presidents. And only in some in some cases, like in the one of George, where like footballers become presidents, um, but um, but there's a truth to it, and and I think there's there's this capacity of making meaningful and efficient use of this privileged platform you have as a football player, and people really not just looking up to you, but also listening to you, um, could be played in a in a much more purposeful way than than it than it is right now. Definitely. And, and that's great to see so many different uh, footballers looking to get into uh, charity and do work beyond uh, just playing football. So like you said, whether it's politics or, um, you know, different initiatives, are you noticing a trend in a cultural shift that players are looking to uh, do a bit more than maybe just play football? Is, is that happening uh, globally, maybe uh, more of a movement than it had been previously? I think, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know if there's a clear yes or no to that, but mm. um, let me say a few things. One, I think it's still the exception and it's not the rule. Mm. Um, I think there is a trend. I don't know where it's coming from. Like, is it because the world has changed and, and it drags along finally also football? Mm -hmm. um, or if it's like a next generation of, of, of footballers that have grown up in a different time um, where technology has played a different different role and, and what where like um, giving back if you want to call it like that or being part of the solution is also expected from somebody who is on the privileged side of lives um, and and so exposed as footballers are um, so I, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure at the same time there's so many things footballers do um, and it's so widespread and many times we actually don't know um, how much is being done. I think what, what's missing still is like a, um, a higher level of trust in what can be done and maybe a little bit more of guidance in mm. how meaningful contribution might look like so that all this effort um, really ends up translating itself into, into impact. In a, in, a, in a maximized way and, and doesn't happen here and there. But at the end of the day, if, you, if you'd ask today a question of what has actually football contributed to people and planet, we wouldn't know. Hmm. We would say, I think it has been a lot. I've heard about many things, but we don't know exactly. So here, here's where we think 
we are now at a point where there is a trend, where there is a need, where there is an expectation um, of football to play its role, where there is already a reality that football is doing a lot, that if we now um, decide to, um, to team up and to allow ourselves to be guided on, towards how this could work most efficiently, in 10 years, football could contribute significantly to the achievement of, say, global goals mm. across maybe all of them. Um, but it needs this team effort, which Common Goal is trying to, to somehow lead the way um, to allow movement to happen, to invite everybody to join. But there's still, still some way to go until we can say, hey, here's everybody aware of the potential and everybody is putting his and her like stake to um, and contribution to the to the collective impact we could achieve it's very much isolated still and very much um individually brand communication driven um which which obviously is a compromise with efficiency meaningfulness and 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 maximizing impact yeah definitely so to bring us up to modern day current times uh the common goal project if you could just share a little bit of background on uh what common goal is and how it came to be sure um just a bridge between the time in medellin um there were and in, in, i said early 2000s i went back to germany and mm-hmm. and i i i had seen that there were like this, similar to what I just said in regards to the footballers' um, activities, at that time there was a, were a lot of community-based activities that were working very isolatedly and very um, inefficiently, so to say, because there was no awareness that there were many more than just the one working, say, in a slum in Nairobi or in a suburb in London or, or, or somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So we, at that time we founded Street Football World, which was the ambition to surface all of the um, successful experiences across the world that were using football already in order to accelerate change in our transformation in their communities. And that developed over then the, the following 15, 16, now 18 years into a global network of community-based organizations that would know each other, trust each other, and share the experience with each other in order to allow, um, to allow increased impact um, by working together, by teaming up. Um, so there, there was a football for good sector, if you want, that has developed over the, all these years. Um, but when 2015, 2016, 2017 came and we saw the United Nations um, Sustainable Development Goals being announced and and being an ambition for our global humanity until 2030 in terms of goals that need to be achieved. Um, we just saw, hey, here's a football for good sector, but then there's a football for profit sector that is not really connected to football for good. Mm-hmm. There is sporadic and isolated initiatives, um, as we just talked about, but there's no systemic connection. There's no bridge between the two. It's like happening on different planets. So what the ambition of Common Goal was to build that bridge mm. um, between where football is, like be, is where there is a football industry that has profit maximization as its goal. Um, and there is a football for good sector where impact maximization is the goal. How can we actually 
plug that together in a way that it becomes part of the of the same engine and it becomes part of the same football. Um, so so in 2017 we then founded Common Goal. Actually, yesterday was was the third birthday of of Common Goal nice. uh, on August 4th. Um, and despite the huge effort that had gone into the desire to start Common Goal, say with the starting eleven of commitments, meaning football players pledging 1% of their earnings to a collective fund um, as, as, as an inspiration for the industry to follow. With all the effort we had put into it previous to the start, we only found one player who would actually pledge, which was Juan Mata at the time. And mm -hmm. we wanted it to be a, a players-driven movement, not an NGO-driven movement, not mm -hmm. somebody else's driven movement, but we wanted it to be driven by by the by the professional athletes, and and at at the time it was a huge bet because so many people in the industry had told us, "Don't even try. It's not worth it. Footballers don't do that. Um, it will never work." Mm -hmm. And and we we just were so convinced that we needed to try, and we had the brave and courageous Juan Mata to 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 do this first step in public um, and since then um, as of today close to 160 um, professional athletes have, have followed wow that i mean that's amazing it's, it's interesting that how many people will say that a project is impossible or it can't be done and then you do it and all of a sudden it's uh not not normal but it's uh accepted across the the industry of whichever industry it might be in this case football yeah, I, I think what we've managed over the past three years with all the honest work, I think, of the last 20 years or even more, um, and, and with our focus always on what can we do in order to maximize impact. It's not about our organization. It's not about our brand. It's about maximizing mm -hmm. impact. And everything we do is at the service of that purpose. Um, I think what we've now achieved with the last three years with Common Goal, we have made that possibility part of people's imagination and now i think we're we're up for a next step and and really invite everybody else to to really team up to understand that there is no no alternative to to working together to teaming up to team play towards change because if not we we won't meet our goals as global humanity in regards to people and and poverty etc or in regards to the planet in terms of of climate emergency we won't achieve it we everybody has a role to play mm. and football can inspire so much not just the whole industry itself which i would hope to happen first but but everybody else actually like if it happens with and 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 through football why not in in other sectors of society so, so that is our ambition. So by 2030, we really want this not to be just a standard in the industry and that 1% of the earnings thanks to commercializing football would end up in a collective impact fund mm. that without any ego pressure or brand pressure could be invested in maximizing impact. But that also um, it becomes part of, of our collective mindset that if we all contribute a little, everything can be solved. 
Um, and it's not about like making huge sacrifices. It's not about that. Mm. Therefore, the 1% is so symbolic. It's really, you keep 99% of what you have, <laughs> but if every but it did something about a 1% of what anybody given has, um, there, we could tackle any problem, any challenge in the world. And that's, that's the, the inspiring part to me personally. Definitely. And uh, it's like you said, it's, it's such a seemingly small number, but it could be such a, a massive number once it compounds across however many players. You said 161 players currently, right? It's 159 actually right mm -hmm. now. And, and, and what that does, it, 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 it brings together like uh, over the first three years, it has been like 2 million euros or so that we, that we have, a, have been able to allocate to um, to, to, I think, a little over 40 organizations across the world. But, but the number is not the important thing here because um, if it's about 2 million in three years, probably there's more efficient fundraising strategies you could pursue in order to raise 2 million in three years. Mm. It's more about the 159. It's about this collective effort and to show that there's immense, or, or to, to see that there's immense pride in that team and there's, there's a, an, an immense sense of family and, and, and togetherness within that group, despite being super diverse, there's obviously top ranked football players with um, very high salaries. And at the same time, there's not that top ranked and with, with a much smaller salary um, players that, that are joining um, this team and that are teaming up to to collectively make change happen and that's that's just awesome to see actually more than half of the players that have joined are female mm -hmm. and given like rec recognizing the situation female football is in and 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 uh, the salary structure in female football it's obviously an, uh, not not at all comparable to male football um, mm -hmm. it, it is quite astonishing that 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 there is such a sense of purpose, such a sense of commitment and such a sense of solidarity among especially the female pro athlete group um, that has not necessarily surprised that, but it has humbled us a lot. Yeah, definitely. And that's amazing to see so many players are, are joining in. And, and as you just said, the female footballers have their own uh, their own struggle as well, especially here in the U.S., where they've they've taken a stand and they've uh, stood up for uh, pay inequality. Which I mean, for that many female footballers to stand up and and make a contribution as well is amazing to see. That's very good to hear. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really encouraging, and there's so many like interesting conversations happening in this group. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, they, we are all connected in a WhatsApp group and, and, and it's quite inspiring to see how, how inspiration um, gets across like from one to another and, and, um, and, and people really see themselves as owning this movement, which is actually the case because this is not, this is not my or Juan Mata's or anybody's charity. It is a movement and this movement has an ambition. It wants to make contribution a norm and we start with the football industry and we want to make it uh, a, a globally like the, the the new mindset so to say and i think if if there's anything positive to to covid and 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 how 
this virus acts and how it affects everybody and, and the kind of responses it has triggered, maybe it's, it's closer to, to everybody's understanding than ever before that we can only solve problems of that magnitude as a team, like playing together, mm. everybody contributing his and her part. So, so maybe it's even for some reason um, or for that reason also just the right time to, um, to make the call. Yeah. And, and how, how are you going as a group, as an organization, how are you going about um, picking partners and projects to work on? Is there a, a process that you have um, to, to establish which partners you want to work with? In, all, in, all, in terms of implementation, you mean? Yeah, implementation. Like yeah. Allocation of resources? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that's what, that was the reason why I mentioned Street Football World before. This is now like a global network of community-based organizations. It's 140-ish mm. in around about 90, 90 95 countries. Um, so this is organizations on the ground that tackle a specific issue that is a priority need in, in that community. And they use football as a tool in order to accelerate change in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we have surfaced all these organizations over the past many years and, and, and have understood how they work. And it has made us um, confident enough in order to translate like this group of organizations, this network into the portfolio, at least to start with um, for a common goal and, and confident enough to, to recommend like fund allocation to professional athletes in this case, um, knowing what that, that actually real impact will happen on the back of it. Mm. And, and, and we have the, the, the real reliability with the organizations in terms of execution, in terms of reporting, and in terms of their, their, their moral and ethical compass when it mm. comes to their work. So, so that gave us like a, if you want a warm start, as there was a portfolio already developed, which is as, as, as the group grows and as the team grows and as the, the collective fund grows, this group will grow too. But for the, for the start and in the very early stages we are still, this group is, 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 is big enough in order to, to make a meaningful contribution through that group. And, and what are some of the challenges associated as, as far as um, not only implementation, but just the, the, bit, the, the organization at large, what are some of the challenges that you might face? Yeah, I mean, um, it, it is it is it is tough as as an as an NGO if you want to uh, to to invent new solutions all the time and actually get them on the street and and make them grow and and allow them somehow to break even um, at some stage. So, mm-hmm. common goal continues to be if you want an investment of Street Football World, which is the mother ed- entity. Mm-hmm. Um, which at is, itself is an NGO, like a charity. So it's 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 really hard um, without like a a, a specific investment um, in 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 such an endeavor like Common Goal that would just be purpose to to grow it and scale it as much as possible and as fast as possible to really like. Um, 
make the most out of it if you're limited by financial resources. So what I, wanted to, what I wanted to say is the limitation in financial resources dedicated to the growth and the scale of, of the solution that is, even without the, the right investment, already successful, um, it's, it's sometimes really frustrating. Um, but yeah, we're, so far we have handled, we will handle, and obviously everybody who feels attracted by the proposition is more than welcome to support us because we still depend on contributions because we make this 90% promise to, the, to everybody who contributes to the collective fund that 90% of your 1% will be invested in local solutions and 10% is just not enough in order to grow and scale such a movement. It's enough to get along, um, needing like basic, basically support of, an, of, of, of the mother NGO all the time in, in terms of infrastructure, but also human resource and financial resource. Mm. Um, so everybody welcome who, who believes in, 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 and shares this dream. And how can people get involved? Is there a way uh, that people can join in if they've got questions or is, is there a way to find out about the, the projects, not only locally, but common goal at large? Yeah, sure. I mean, there's the website, which is www.common-goal.org. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just put Jürgen at common-goal.org, this is myself. Um, so you can get in touch anytime if there's questions, if you're a professional athletes or a professional in the industry, you're more than invited to join as an individual. We have also football clubs who have joined in the past who implement the 1% across their contracting from sponsors to, to players, to employees and, and also stadium revenues. Um, we have had journalists, we have had, um, leaders in football like the UEFA president. Um, we have had agents and representatives to join. So there's every stakeholder is invited to join who is, who is making a living, living thanks to the commercialized game. And then beyond that, I mean, if you're a fan, if you're a supporter, if you're anybody who believes that it's worth investing in that endeavor, you're, you're, you're more than invited. Businesses have become part of it and have identified like income streams where, where we could apply the 1% as a meaningful model. So there's um, lots of opportunities and actually there's nobody who isn't invited um, to become part. And I know you mentioned earlier that like football's the, the great equalizer across the world, but is there any interest from the group to go into other sports and involve other sports as well? Or is it primary focus football right now? Totally. Yeah. For us, it will be primary focus football, mm. but we having conversations with other groups who work with athletes in other sports mm. on how to, um, to copy the model into other sports. Um, which makes a lot of sense because at the end of the day, as I was saying, it's all about collective mindset shift and football has just made the start. The idea is that everybody follows. Um, So we're, we're having these conversations and we're looking forward to see other sports and other athletes from other sports um, or even other industries to, to, uh, to do something similar along the line so that we get a shared understanding that this is a solution to, um, to, to many of the, of the challenges we feel like we cannot tackle, being it um, 
the climate change or poverty or whatever it is or the virus mm. um, they, if 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 we focus on the solution if we focus on what needs to be achieved and we put all all the other noises like egos and brands to a side um, it can be achieved um, and we're just we're just lacking that leadership that that would enable and facilitate such a behavior and we believe football can can show the way yeah it's, it's great to see and the project's amazing so before we let you go Jürgen is there a place on social media that maybe Twitter and uh, Instagram that people can follow the projects and uh, the journey as well yeah you can find common goal across LinkedIn Instagram Twitter and Facebook yeah. um, YouTube um, so just um, it's it's um, it's easy to find just putting common goal and it's the first thing that shows up um and and follow us and and be part of of that journey at least um in this passive way um and the the more active the more the the more welcome it is um so so feel invited feel inspired and and get active yeah that's great Jürgen. hey listen we, we appreciate your time it's been amazing coming on and hearing your own story and the story of common goal as well we uh, thank you again for being part of the show Thank you very much, Adam, and, and lots of success and stay, stay well. Yeah, same to you. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. All right, that's it. It's full time. It's the end of today's show. Thank you to everyone for tuning in and listening. Myself and Mr. Thomas, the Pies Hurdle, will be back on Tuesday for our weekly roundup. Until then, be well, be safe, and thanks again for being part of the community and listening to the show. Cheers.